This episode of the Live Better Podcast is brought to you by CryoEffect. CryoEffect is a cold spa and recovery clinic which has five locations in the Chicagoland area. The Loop, River North, Lincoln Park, South Barrington, and Hinsdale. Brett and I regularly use CryoEffect for all of our recovery needs. Their services include whole body cryotherapy, cryosculpting, cryofacial, localized cryotherapy, Normatec compression, an oxygen bar, and infrared sauna. When I typically go into CryoEffect, I hit three main things. Uh, I love the full body cryo chamber, um, especially before or after a workout. I like it before to kind of get me hyped up. I just love that feeling. And then it's also really nice to wind down. Um, it helps with inflammation and for me it really aids in sleep the days i do it i sleep like a baby um, typically after that i'll hit the normatech compression boots just to get blood pumping back in and the compression into my legs especially after running um, and then on other days i'll go in and do the infrared sauna i like the infrared heat because it doesn't feel like you're walking into it like a super hot room but you just get that really deep sweat so those are my my top three uses at CryoEffect. If you're not familiar with whole body cryotherapy, imagine a tanning bed essentially stood up and you walk into this chamber, um, which has plenty of room to move around. Uh, it's not enclosed over your head and you are in anywhere from negative 150 degrees yep. Fahrenheit for about three minutes and it essentially super cools the surface level of your body, which actually raises your internal body temperature. And thermoregulation in general, whether you choose to use cold water therapy, cryotherapy, cold showers, anything like that, is meant to increase blood flow. It's meant to increase recovery, especially after mental or physical stress. So. I use whole body cryotherapy when I feel mentally run down or when my nervous system needs to be reset. I'll also use the Normatec compression boots after a long run or when my low body is sore. So I find that compression is the single most effective recovery technique for me and I rely on it especially after runs but also after heavy lifting days. If you want to try cryotherapy Normatec compression, infrared sauna, and an all-in-one stop shop, go check out CryoEffect. If you mention Live Better, Brett Gornick, or Jason Lobig when checking in, you'll also receive a discount, and they'll take care of you. Brett and Jason here, Live Better podcast. Yo. Post marathon. Ouch. We did it. Hurts. Still in so, pain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're recording this uh, the Tuesday after the marathon, which was on Sunday. Um, so if you've ever lifted insanely heavy legs, you know that two days after is when you really Worst start to ever. feel it. Um, so we're here to talk marathon, how it went, um, how we got through it, how we both finished, um, some of the recovery we're doing after, and then uh, we fielded a couple questions from you guys um, about what's coming up, what we learned, and... Uh, how we did it. So how'd it go, Jay? It went uh, well for the first 18.5 miles. <laughs> and then <laughs> after that, not so well. Um, we started together right behind the three-hour pace group. So the goal was just sub-three hours, somewhere in the 259 range. 
So we probably started, I think our official clock time was a minute and 40 seconds behind the three-hour pace group. And there's a guy holding up a little lollipop stick with the three-hour mark on it. So we kind of had him in our sights the whole time. Ended up catching up to that pace group, which included... 50 plus yeah, people massive. at least, yeah. which is way bigger than I thought. Yeah. I thought there were going to be 10 people around him, to yeah. be honest. There yeah. were 50, 60 people yeah. in that group. A solid crew. Yeah. So we made up you know, a minute, 40 seconds, pretty fast off the time clock. We were probably 45 seconds behind him. Yeah, I think we start. I think the, we were the race started off at 7 30. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. we caught up to him. But it was a madhouse uh, just in the corral, so we yeah. had to wait. We couldn't get all the way yeah, up Yeah, you can't him. get all the way up to yeah. it. Um, Unless you got there at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, first of all, just at the beginning, the, the experience is overwhelming. Yeah. So you walk in, and you have to even pick the right security gate to walk through. This is not your turkey trot 5K where yeah. you roll up three minutes before the start, yeah. peel off your jacket, and just like start running for yeah, beer at the Yeah, we walk into end. a gate, and they're like, nope, you got to go to that gate. And then from our gate, we had to go to this different tent, and it was like... It's a whole thing. Yeah, so if you're ever doing a, a big race like this, like... They say get there at 5.30 a.m. for a 7.30 start. Like, get there early. We probably showed up at 6.15. Yeah. Well, I could have used probably a ne- another yeah. 30 minutes yeah. there. Yeah, just in to hindsight. warm up. Yeah, yeah in hindsight. totally. So. Um, so we started the race, and uh, you are carried by the energy of the first 13 miles. It's not even it, – the, the ra- it's two races. It's two, it's two half marathons. The first yeah. half marathon is a fun run. The yeah. second half marathon is a whole different experience. The first 13 miles goes up to Grand, back down through the loop, straight up LaSalle through River North, Old Town, Lincoln Park. You loop around in Wrigley, and then you come back down through Pretty those same, the same neighborhoods, yeah. and it's lined with people. And, and that's all the people that we know are in those neighborhoods. Jason, so, bro! Yeah, so people like, yeah. are just screaming, they're yeah. yelling. The crowd at that point for us was still, like, thick. I also thought it was going to thin out after we made the turnaround in Wrigley, and it did not at all. We were bumping elbows. You know, it's tough to get water. It's not like, oh, you just decide whenever you want to go grab a drink either. Like, if you get kind of stuck in the middle of the pack, like, you can't afford to just come to a halt, and the people behind you will run you over. Uh, So I think that was, like, the first first thing where I was like, oh, crap, you're really going to need to – kind of like like find a little create a little bit of space for yourself so the, the first 13 miles I was like laughing through I mean we were on pace a little bit fast putting down 650 648 642 miles in that range and it just felt so easy and then we made the turn through the loop which got us I think just past the 15 mile mark mm-hmm. 15 was like the first mile into the west loop yeah and at that point, it was still pretty easy. But then you're starting to, you're, at that point, you're starting to have a little bit of like, okay. Yeah. I'm like good now. I'm like, this is, I'm good. I, I, I could have stopped. <laughs> I think 18 holes of golf should be 14 holes of golf. You're kind of at that <laughs> point where you're like, all right, I've been running for an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes now. And I'm like, kind of ready to stop. But you know, you got to keep going. So uh, we made the turn at the United Center and came back. And at that point, I hadn't, didn't, I felt no symptoms. Um, I think my, my race, and I'll go over this at the end, but my race, I think mentally was perfect. My prep was perfect. I knew exactly what I was getting into. I knew it was going to be hard. I'd already visualized all that, which is helpful for what I'm about to get to physically. 
Then got to mile 18, and it. I started getting hints. That was kind of no man's land for me. Throughout training was always the point where my leg was kind of like, um, you might not want to keep going, but if you do, like, we'll kind of hang on for you, but it's not going to feel good. So I was like, all right, I hope race day, the vibe from that and just like being relaxed on, on a race day. I t- actually tend to get more relaxed on race day than I ever am during training, just because it's just easier for me to mentally get into that kind of competition mode. And I got to the point at 18 and then my hamstring, the one that I injured, got like a little twinge in it. And then all of a sudden it just felt like I, you know, pushed a plug into an outlet with wet hands. It just, a lightning bolt went down the back of my left leg from my hamstring all the way down, just like a straight nerve pain shot. And pretty much in that exact instant, my left calf cramped, my right calf cramped, my left quad cramped, my right quad cramped, my left hamstring cramped, my right hamstring cramped. And the cramp I got in my right hamstring brought me to a dead stop, dead stop. So I probably took 45 seconds to a minute just like hanging on to a freaking tree, like deep kind of Pilsen area. And I had a bunch of people I knew like run by me being like, yo, let's go. Like thought I was just, you know, stopped for no reason, kind of like quitting. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. I physically like I, I can't actually move because my whole body will seize on me. And at that moment, I was like, this is just... This is just fucked. Like the the, the rest of this is just downhill. Yeah. And at that point, we already had like a, a few minutes banked on yeah. a sub three hour. So I knew that I had a little bit to play with. So I was like, okay. After this, I'm gonna find the first aid station I can, and I'm gonna knock off six full cups of Gatorade. Because at that point, you're you're just squeezing whatever you can yeah. get in and just kind of taking a sip and, and chucking it. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to take everything I can. The next like little Gatorade goo thing I came to, I've never even had one of these in my whole life. I slammed three of them at once, all the Gatorade. I was like, give me any food that I can find, all the sugar I can find, slam it down. And it just like, just nothing worked. At that point, my leg was just past the point of no return. And I probably walked 15 times. It was probably like from the last six miles, I probably jogged a quarter mile, walked a 10th, jogged a quarter, walked a 10th. And those ended up being like, because I had a little, it's hard to tell on the actual pacing because I had a little bit baked in after the 18 mile mark for the last two 5Ks for the last 10K. But I think my mile times were in like the high eights, low nine. So it was kind of like walk jogging really for me. And it was just the wheels were just like off at that point. But it was just so frustrating because like mentally I was still in it, but my legs just wouldn't go. So it was just such a weird awareness level. Normally when you get to that point, like your mind is also kind of given out. So you're just like in a delirium, but that's not what happened to me at all. I was like very, very aware of like how much energy I still had, which I still felt good. I was like happy, you know, we were out there. I was like, that's the point where I knew I could get to. And this was all no man's land and it would have been a gift to go further than that. Um, I was just, you know, obviously more hopeful and, and had trained to go farther than that, but was just more hopeful that it would have worked, but just didn't. So I was just kind of walking and jogging through the rest of it. So like the first 18 miles just was such an easy, smooth, good run to me. And then the last like seven were just brutal. How did you, uh, how did you continue to go? I had one long run this summer 
where it was 90 degrees out, and I did it at Waterfall Glen out in the Burbs, and it's a little bit hilly. Um, it's a 10-mile loop, and the parking lot, I, I had a 16-mile long run, and it was, it was 90 degrees, humidity level was 90%. It was a, it was a horrible day um, for running, and I did six miles fast on my own at race pace. And then I got back to the car, um, met up with a buddy and we were going to do 10 miles, super chill. And he had a flight to catch. So we got like four miles out and I'm like, yo, I got to slow down a little bit. Like I'm, I'm kind of hot. Um, you just keep going, whatever. Like a mile later, we got exactly halfway around the loop where you're completely away from your car. There's no one else is around. Um, because it was so hot, it wasn't a crowded day out there. There wasn't a ton of people running and moving. It was like, you know, 10 a.m. Um, I bonked hardcore. It was like the first time I'd ever truly felt like that. Like you literally can't sweat. You run out of sweat. It's like the, the stage before basically you hit heat stroke. Yeah. And so I'm at five miles away from my car. I have no phone. I have no food, no more food left, no water. And there aren't water fountains out there because it's like a forest preserve. So I had to walk and jog in the heat, 90 degrees, with no water, no food, no phone, no music, no nothing. I, I had nothing left to do. Um, my buddy had already gone on because he had, had to catch a flight. At that point, I didn't feel like that entirely. So I had already kind of done that little, like, five-mile, like, okay, you're dead, but you have to, like, get back to where you started so you can get water and, like, get food and get and done. be alive. And be alive. And at that point, when you bonk, due to a nutritional failure, your brain is gone. You start to get a little bit confused and like a little bit delirious. Um, and it's more of a head thing. Your body isn't quite run down, but you're kind of like, I, I just can't really do anything anymore. And it's a, it's a really weird, odd sensation. Well, that's what that is. This was, this was the opposite of that. Yeah. This was my mind feels amazing, but your, my body just like can't, can't do anything um, because it had hit full muscular failure at that point. It was just done. Once your mechanics start to break down and those little compensations happen, when you're that fatigued, it was pretty much just roasted. So I just did the same thing. I knew what I was going to do. I was just going to take water and do whatever I can to mitigate the like extreme cramping. Like Every part of every muscle in my calf, shin, quad, hamstring was seizing every step. So I couldn't even take like a full stride. And I tried to a few times. It just didn't work. Um, you know, it just sucks because yeah. like you're mentally, you're ready to go. And like physically you take one step too fast, your, your hamstring fully cramps and you have to stop, stretch, yeah. you have to wait a second. And I was like, maybe this will just happen. I'd had that experience one time in a triathlon after I got off the bike. Um, I was not physically fit enough to bike as fast as I was going. So my, um, VMO, my quad cramped really bad. Um, when I got off the bike and started to run, but I took down a full Gatorade and then all of a sudden, like the last mile, the, the cramp went away and I ran like a six minute mile after having run a nine minute mile because I was cramping, which I now know my like cramp speed is like, is a nine minute mile. <laughs> yeah. Which is still <laughs> um, good. Yeah. Which is not terrible, but still is annoying after you've been running six forty five miles. Like it feels like you're jogging. Yeah. And that was the rest of the race. It was just like a walk jog. But you, you do draw on some of the earlier failures. Like that, that long run was like, you need to get your shit together about what you're eating and what you're drinking and like just being safe 
while you run. Yeah. Race day is a little bit different because there is no, there's no margin for air. There is no room to relax and like mess around and play around with. It's like you had to stick to a strategy and then do it. How did you feel crossing the finish line? Fine. You know, just like frustrated, kind of embarrassed. I, I don't think I've ever walked in a race in my life. It was like the first time. And it was definitely like the biggest race of my life. So at the <laughs> yeah, same I mean, time, you're just kind of like looking around. Like the having somebody look at you, the, the one thing I do appreciate is when you're out there, like when, when you're walking and when you're struggling, nobody looks at you with a look of pity. It's still encouraging. Yeah. Like they're like, let's go. Yeah. I also think it helps like when you look physically fit, somebody knows yeah. like, okay, this yeah. kid isn't like... He did not. He's train. not bowing out. Yeah, He's yeah, not yeah. not training. Yeah. Like this is something is wrong, and you need to be encouraged across the finish line. At that point, I was like, I'm not fucking going out in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like I saw a couple other people cramp and move and get off the course. Oh, I saw straight it too. to a stretcher. Yeah. Damn. Onto like ambulances. Yeah, yeah. People are on the ground, and I'm like, first of all, my wife will kill me because she's already seen me like that like a couple times <laughs> from other activities, and I'm like, I'm not going out like this. Yeah. And I knew how many people were tracking me. <laughs> yeah, and I knew how many people were gonna watch, see my split go from like six fifty, six forty five miles to an eight thirty. They're all gonna think, what happened to his yeah. hamstring? Like he he pulled something, yeah. something he went down, and all of a sudden I was gonna cause this mass panic. And I was like, I need my dot needs to continue to move. Yeah. So even if you walk, like you're going to finish yeah. by any means necessary. Like you're going to finish the race. And that's just what you're doing. You're I just think there were, uh, walking and jogging. After we talked, there was there was two points uh, I'd love for you to, to chat about. Um, the biofreeze person and then the person that's definitely going to listen to this. Oh, the bio. Hear, hear yeah. those two stories. Um, those were pretty well, the, cool. The, the person that ran by me, we'll start with you first. I, I don't know who this was because I was a little bit delirious. But I was hunched over on the first, the right after my hamstring gave way and then the, my whole body cramped, I was... Um, on this long street and over to the side and I was doubled over and I don't know how, but this woman ran by me and just stops and turns around and looked at me and goes, I listened to your podcast, the live better podcast. She goes, you guys are awesome. Keep it up. Like, get up, let's go. And she was like yelling and she was like, you're doing amazing. And I was like, that is awesome. Whoever that is. Yeah, please DM yeah. me or c call me or whatever because you like saved <laughs> my over. life. I was like, that's amazing. She I was saw, running the race. She was running the race. She was wow. in the race. And then I saw Mark and Nelson. Fast then. Fast. And yeah. then I saw Mark and Nelson. So those two times were when I knew like this cramp is not going away because yeah. I tried to get up right after that yeah, yeah, and run. And I was to. like, no. And then the second time I was rounding at Cermak, you make this like really weird 200 degree, super sharp turn. Yeah, it's weird. And I stepped around the turn. This was already after the my my legs yeah, had like shut off there. and so right when i turned i pivoted and pushed off and my right calf just like seized so hard it gave out again and this guy out of nowhere in kind of no man's land ran up with a plastic bag and pulls like a brand new bottle of biofreeze out and just goes can i give you some of this like are you all right and i was like oh my goodness i just doused my whole lower body in it like eight times the recommended dose of biofreeze because <laughs> yeah. i was like i have anything i can do to make my legs calm down i'm doing it anything i can do sugar i was like give me coca-cola which i ran by a guy with a, a table in pilsen after somebody telling me to drink coke and i was like damn i should have taken that <laughs> to see what it would have happened yeah. um but i was like i'll take anything at yeah. this point and you it's amazing how many people are just like willing to help you out yeah. 
pretty much the whole time, which is which is pretty awesome. I think uh, if I had one like glowing review of the whole race, it's the people that volunteer. Unbelievable. Uh, are insane. Insane. Those people are insane. They're out there early as hell in the dark, pouring water. You also realize when you're going through those water stations, every time you squeeze that cup, you are just putting somebody in a dunk tank. Yeah. You are putting somebody in a Gatorade dunk tank. You just throw one, it gets on someone. And they're taking that from 45,000 people Mm -hmm. are just squeezing that cup. six hours. Bang. Full shot of yellow Gatorade to the face. Just over and and over and over. I mean, uh, you just can't give enough gratitude to everybody that's lining the course, the participants in the race that are running next to you. I mean, the whole whole event is, it's magical. It's It's magical. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool thing. I think it's it's really cool just to see the number of languages being spoken, countries represented, the number of people who are out there cheering like hardcore. Yeah, and I think it's Going cool because even in a marathon, like over this long distance, you only see someone for like a split second. Yeah, if that people might not even catch you, like. Emily, oh, yeah. my wife was went to four different spots, and never saw me one time. <laughs> yeah, you're just um, in a herd. Yeah, you're, you're, you're being just shuffled around and moved by this, like, giant pack of people. But, um, yeah, like, all those people helped me. Just, like, even just mentally just stay, like, a little bit happier about it. You know, I think if I was by myself entirely and that was a training run and I was stuck at Waterfall Glen again alone and that was the last six miles, I would have done more walking than I probably did. I was, like, kind of at that point I was just sort of, like, just keep moving. Like, just put your headphones in, put your blinders on, don't worry about people being like oh you know he he died at the this mark or yeah. whatever i was just kind of like just finish yeah and it wasn't like it just get this over with i was still like in it and like happy to be doing it i think but at that point you're just kind of like pissed and embarrassed and just like annoyed because i could have just jogged 705 miles the whole time and beat my time by 10 minutes <laughs> yeah uh and not been in any of that pain I yeah. think the extra 20 to 30 seconds a mile, just like they just, they wear you out over yeah. 18 miles. And yeah, I mean, that just caught up with Yeah, me. but would you have rather finished 302 crossing the line easy or Yeah, no, that's not own? my style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no I'm, I'm giving it a shot. Yeah. I'm giving it a shot. Because like that, if, if my body wasn't capable of doing it at that pace, then uh, then it just doesn't matter to me. I don't think, I think I'd still want to put myself in a position to be able to do it and just find a different strategy to try and attack it again. Um, but I wouldn't have set a different goal. Even in yeah. hindsight, I'd still set the same goal. I just would, I would take a different approach to the way in which I handled my body. And I'd, I would have adjusted a couple things about what I prioritized in training to no fault. Mike, my, my coach is amazing. It was like my, my issues, like personal yeah. things that definitely yeah. just like didn't, didn't do the right volume of, um, some things I needed for my body. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How was yeah. your race? Um, I mean, it was, <laughs> uh, so I Thank came you. in 32 seconds under three hours, um, which was insane. And I remember the Saturday before, watching the sub two hour Iliad congrats um and he came in 20 seconds under and I was like oh my gosh like you just think like over that much time like wow 20 seconds like isn't that much but then when I finished 30 seconds I was like I mean that was it that was my max time like there's no way I could have finished one second faster um and so I'm just extremely proud to to have done it um and 
um, kind of the narrative of my race was similar to yours for the first half. It just felt great. You're like lifted up. Um, I had a couple interesting things happen. I um, was wearing gloves and at like mile maybe like maybe like eight or nine, I blew my nose in my gloves and I like looked down and my nose is bleeding. So I'm like kind of dealing with that. And it wasn't like gushing blood, but there was like some blood in there. So I'm like, that's kind of going through my head a little bit. And I was like, oh man, like I hope this doesn't go. Like if it just starts streaming down my face, I was like, I'm just going to keep going. You're going to bleed out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll bleed out during this. So luckily that stopped. Um, so that was interesting. Um, at mile 11, I was like, oh wow, I have to pee. I was like, I have to pee. And I remember when we had Mike on the podcast, he was like, don't go. Like, you just just don't go. Like, you just won't have to. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I always, I'm like, I'll always have to pee. Like, some point of this podcast, I'll probably start having to pee. <laughs> and, uh, and I saw uh, bathrooms, and I was like, all right, well, maybe if I'm feeling good at the next mile, I'm just going to rip it. So I just like, and it was funny because we were joking about this, but like right before the next aid station, I saw there was like a toilet line. And so I was like, I'm going to run ahead to that. And it, you, as, you and I had talked about this, and Mike had mentioned it too, and you had done the running training. Being like, you have like five times, maybe six throughout the marathon where you can kind of push yeah. for like 20 seconds, 15, 20. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to use two of these up here. So I, I ran ahead, hucked in, fastest pee of my life, popped out, and then just made back up to the pacer. <laughs> You're the only person that broke three hours yeah. in that race that peed. Yeah, 100%. so I, I did it, and then I was like right back in the pacer, and so that happened, um, and then kind of settled back in and was like, all right, I'm good. Like, and I was like, I know I burned some energy there, but I was like, I'm fine. Um, and then we got to right around 18, um, and Robin, uh, who we had on this podcast, was blasting our, our turn-up yeah, song. Yeah, that's great. Which got me a, a, like a serious amount of hype. Like I, ran, I remember I was on the right side, and I ran through the pack to get to the left to see them, and I was like going nuts. And like Robin was like actually like walking down, and so she didn't even see me. I was like Robin, and like she looked up, she's like ah. So yeah. then I kept going, um, and it was right around then too where I started to feel my legs, and uh, my hamstrings were were toasted at mile 19. Like I just remember being like, oh my gosh, like all right, like this is what everybody says. And I remember every single person said, start out on pace, and then at mile 20, if you feel good, push it. And so that was kind of like going on in my head, like at mile 10, I was like, all right, sweet. Like at mile 20, I'm going I'm to push it. Like I'm, I'm going to be good. And then at mile 15, I was like, I'm, at mile 20, I'm going to push it. Mile 20 hit, I was like, there's no push. <laughs> like I, this is it. Staying on pace yeah. is, is the push. push. And yeah. I was like, and it was a weird thing because everybody had said that. So I'm thinking like, okay, like I'm going to stick with the pacer. I'm not going to come out too hot, which I didn't, which I was very proud of myself because at every race I've ever run in my life, I come out so hot and I positive split by like minutes. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, now it's just hold on. And so I was like hanging by the pacer group. And um, at that point, it was taking in everything. I had pretty much taken all my nutrition at that point. I was starting to take Gatorade. Um, and then mile 22 hit, and I started to drift from the pacer a little bit. Now, like you said, we had made up a little bit of time. So I'm looking at my – I had all the mile markers on my arm and where I needed to be, and I was like, I'm still a minute ahead of three hours. And so, like, mile 22 hit, um, mile 23, and then mile 24, and I was like, oh, man, like, this is a grind. And that's – at mile 23 and a half was, like, where I was like, I think I have to walk. I was like, I know I have time. I was like, can I just walk for a minute? I'm like, I'm still going to be moving forward, so I still won't lose time, but then I'll pick it back up. In my head, I was like, if I walk, this is done. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is done. Yeah. And so um, 
I, I hit that mile and I was like, well, I've never run further than this because my longest was 22. I've never done anything at this pace. So I'm just thinking in my head, I was like, I just need to hold on. I just need to hold on. So at about mile 24 and a half, I put in my headphones and just threw on like bangers. And I was like, I'm going to treat this like a berries class where I'm going to jog and then when it beat hits, I'm going to sprint and I'm going to see what happens. This is all I have left. I'm like, if I die out at 25, <laughs> at least I went at it. And so I, I made it through there, and, I, and there's a video of uh, somebody took a video of me, like, right at 25. My head is just, like, literally, yeah, like, bonking down. This is like, hysterical. Like, I'm dying. I, I was dying. And it was the only thing that kept me going was the music. And I'm literally, I, I, somebody, I hope, got this, but I'm, like, fucking hitting my chest being, like, ah! like literally, <laughs> like, doing that. Like, I was, like, it was, you just, like, lose it. And in my head, I like had my mantra. I was like, sub three, sub three. I was like, keep going. I'm like, in my head, being like, you got to fucking do this. Like literally anything I could do to keep my motivation up. And then at mile 26 or like right before mile 26, there is like the 40K marker. And I see the marker and I'm thinking that's 26. Now there's probably a half mile between that and 26. And so I'm like looking down, I'm like, oh, I'm good. Like I'm good. And I hit the 40K marker. I'm like, that wasn't 26. I'm like I st- and then I see 26. I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, I still have like a li- like almost a mile left. And then you see like the one mile to go, and I'm like, all right. When I saw that one mile to go, I was like, this is it. Like I just have to do this. I was like, I'm gonna do this. But then at that point, I'm in my head. I'm being like, I don't know if I started my watch late. If like, yeah, you just don't know. Yeah, like, you don't know. I'm like, I just gotta go as hard as I can to yeah. finish. Yeah. Um, and then you know I hit that and and I crossed the finish line and I look at my watch and I, we, since we started late I crossed the finish line at like three oh one twenty, and I'm like I don't know like did is it did we start late I'm looking at my watch I'm like I think I did and then I see somebody else and I'm like holding them up so I didn't really stop my watch until like a little bit after, and those uh, little things they, like, they do yeah, add up yeah and I'm just like it's oh my god like, did I do it did I do it did yeah. I do it. Um, and then I like get the little freaking tinfoil thing. I see Nolis. I like take a smile shot. Like I'm like, still don't know if I finished at, in the right time. So we get into the tent and I like look up on the iPad and the unofficial time was like right there. And I was like, holy shit, this was a thing. Like <laughs> I think thing. I still did. Yeah. I'm like, this is unofficial, but I think I did it. And I was thinking about this today, um, kind of like in retrospect of the race. And this is kind of like, you know where my mind goes. And I think of a marathon as like a, like a college course where 70% of the class is participation by showing up. And then 30% is the final and training versus the race. If you do your training, right, you'll get a C and you still have to show up to the race and you still have to do well to get your A, right? Race students, like you want to do your goal. Yep. And so I think of kind of, I was thinking about this and I was like, what, like, what metaphor, what can I like, uh, you know, how can I like think about this for someone that's never done it? And that's where my head goes. And I was thinking at every single class you go to, if you show up, you get the participation points. And at every single class you go to, there's a quiz about whatever subject you're talking about. Now, just filling out the quiz, you know, these classes, you just fill out your name and you get the participation point. But on every single one of those quizzes out of the 10 questions, one of those will be on the final. And I think about that for every training, every long run, every recovery, every time you got sleep is kind of like one of those classes. Now, you know that when you at the end of the semester, when you show up, like you've got thousands of questions that you've answered and you know some of them are going to be on the final. So like if I memorize this. I'll get some of the questions on the final right. 
Now say there's an extra 20 questions that weren't on that. So like maybe you can get an 80%, right? And that's kind of what happens. Like all your training, you show up, you do everything, you feel like you can get an 80% on the test. And that's kind of like where shit starts to fall apart. Yeah. Because the <laughs> longest run you hit yeah. was like 20 miles, which is like almost 80% of the race. Yeah. And then from there, it's like you had to study. And so like I look back at it and I think like, all of these runs, you learn something. So the Waterfall Glen run you had, you learned something. I had a couple long runs where I learned that. I had two long runs that felt good, and all my other long runs really felt like shit. Yeah. And so you learn about that because you're like, at these moments is where I'm going to have to take this learning, this mental learning, and then put it forth physically. Um, and then, you know, like the last point, too, is like that extra credit question. It's like, yeah. oh, I could really use this right here. Um, and so I look at that and I'm like, I like looked at my training and I was like, well, I, I pretty much did everything I could have done in my training. Right. Um, and then it was like, just kind of like getting to that finish line was, it was so much more than a physical feat, so much more than a mental feat too. Like those are two things, but there's something else. It's like, I don't know if it's like metaphysical or spiritual or whatever. And I mean, I, I look at some of the points along the race and like my family was there. Um, there's a couple points where I saw them and it was like crazy. Like you see them and you're like, Hey, like that's it. Yeah. And then somehow my family, like my wife and, and her family like snuck in this like little thing at like mile 26. And so I hear them going nuts and I see them in the gate and I'm like, all right, like I, I look down, I'm like, I think I can do this. And like, that was like it. And then I just like crossed the line and I had like multiple points where I had severe emotional hits, probably at like mile 12 or 13, I had a hit where I was like, I thought I was going to cry. And then at mile like 24, I had the same hit and it was like, there's so much going on. Like so there's, a lot there's going just on. so much going on. And, um, I think that like to look back at it, it's like the race is really only like 20 or 30% of the journey. Um, and I think just finishing is such a feat. Um, and I mean, everyone that's ever done a marathon, you know, you know that crossing the finish line is just like, holy shit. And it's such a weird feeling. And you and I were talking about this because when you cross the finish line, you, even though like for me, I was like going all out, like you're all out at that point. Isn't like a sprint. No, it's not a, it's so not a, you, for like fast switch athletes. It's yeah. not an so all So you never feel like feeling. you're going to, like for me, I never felt like I'm going to keel over. Like I just did a hundred meter sprint all out, yeah. which is something that I kind of thrive in. And, and that's where like, I feel like I've worked hard. So for this crossing line, I was like, oh my gosh, like. I can talk to you right now. Like, I'm not out of breath. I was, like, dying. My legs were destroyed. I had cramps. I had everything. But it was a weird feeling because, like, I didn't feel, like, fully exhausted until later, until yesterday and today. Um, I think I feel more tired today and yesterday than I did when I finished the race, which is such a weird feeling. It's, um, not, it's not a normal, from, like, the, you know, your everyday exerciser. It's not yeah. the normal muscular fatigue or wear down that you get after intense exercise where, like, your body and your your mind, your, like, emotional state is kind of matched in that you just feel tired. You're like, yeah. oh, like, done. Yeah. It's not that kind of feeling. No. You're kind of, you're sort of just out of it. You just, you just have yeah. been doing something for so long so with long. so much focus and so much intention. And then when that gives up, you, you actually have, like, a lot of free headspace to contemplate it because you still are sort of thriving on that amount of energy. Like, mm -hmm. you're not quite exhausted yet. Yeah. Um, there was a couple other interesting points throughout. I think you and I running with the pacing group was so interesting because 
you're never really in a comfortable space. No. You're, you're, your stride is short. You're watching people's feet. You crash into somebody. You take like a, these, all these runners weigh 110 pounds. You're taking these sharp elbows to your forearms like every two miles. Some dude just freaking crashes <laughs> into you. You're running into these water stations and like you're kind of weaving between people. Some people are nice to put their hand out. Some people are delusional. Like so they kind of just drift over. Yeah, I saw people getting tripped. Yeah, people get tripped. There's a couple of times where you get tripped and your feet move. And it's like so it's different than anything you've ever done. I mean, maybe you're training with a group, but you just still aren't running like over people. Um, And like you said, I, you know, I thought that there would be less people in that pack. I thought there'd be a pacer. You and I would be over here and there'd be 10 people in a line. Uh huh. I thought it'd be kind of casually, casually spread out. It was a, it was a pool of fish. It was a pack. It felt like I was running track. Yeah. Felt like you were running track. It was a big, big track group. And you and I were kind of on each other's hip the whole time. And then there's like a couple people that you're like, all right, these guys seem strong. And then towards the end, like I said, like the pacing group kind of drifted ahead of me and I was still by myself. And I remember there was a couple people that I had seen because you like remember people's shirts and stuff. Yep. And then at like mile 24, I was like, man, I was like that. There's a couple people I was like, all right, like that person, I'm just going to like remember their shirt. There's this guy with a new NYC on his back. Which I was like, I'm going to be with that guy. And at mile 24, I passed that guy. And I was like, oh my gosh, because that guy was like strong. There was a couple people that were like strong. And I was like, these dudes are going to do it. And then I passed <laughs> both of them. Yeah, you're like, uh oh. And I was like, oh, be careful man, who you hit it. your wagon yeah, to. Yeah. And so um, I remember catching up with the pacer right when I crossed the finish line because I think he finished, I think they finished at 259.10. And so I finished like, you know, 30 seconds behind that, but also another 30 seconds behind that because we made up to them. And I saw him and I was just like, thanks, man. There's actually a picture of me and him on the on the website. And I was like, thanks dude. Like you were so helpful because throughout he's throwing out cues, like keep your arms chill. I mean, he's yeah. a 240 guy. So like for him, this is like a training run. And he was like, keep your arms relaxed, like hold on. And like all those little things, you're just like, Oh, this is nice. Like someone's yeah. telling me that. Like I think about it when I teach a class, like I'm always like, all right, keep your arms relaxed. Like, but to have somebody telling you that you really need it. And, um, Man, there were, there were some other teams. Like, there was a couple times where you, like, look over to the right and the left and you randomly see somebody and you make eye contact with them. Yep. Like, Zach. I saw Zach in the Live Better hat, and he was like, let's go. And I'm like <laughs> – it was like yeah, – I literally was cool. like, turn, eyes, boom, and you yep. just go. And you're going to have those moments, and you're going to have the random moments where people are like, all right, three-hour pace group, like, BQ you qualifiers. Yeah, you like, get you just a lot get of that. that. It's cool because it is the BQ time. Yeah. And so for it's men, like, for yeah. our age group. So you're, you're just kind of hype about it. Yeah, and then I go back to some of the other runs, and, like, Hood to Coast was a training run that was huge because you're running these crazy hills, and there's, like, a couple small hills, like, going up that bridge, you know, going up Roosevelt, where you're like, I was running six-minute miles banking up massive hills in Oregon. So, like, these are nothing for me. But you look back on it and be like, that was a huge run. Like, those runs were big. Um, and, you know, you look at, like, the big 10 10K and how that was. And I was like, when I hit the final 10K, I was like, all right, like, I ran a 10K sub six. So, like, I know I can do this. So, like, the, the, all those training runs, like, add up. And, like, those were, like, the quizzes I was talking about. Like, you yeah. just learn from those things. Yeah, it's important to race. It's important that, to race. That reason. And it's important to have a plan and not just say, all right, today I'm going to do a long run. Yeah. Like, you need to follow the plan. And, um, I mean, it was, it was nuts. And, like, I still can, like, I'm still wrapping my head around the whole experience. Um, and... You know, you thrive off some of the energy. You thrive off the pack. You, you thrive. There was one point where I was so delusional at mile, like, 18, 19, and there was no music for a second. There was nobody on the course, and I just heard everyone's feet. It was like, Prrr. 
because everyone's hitting at a different time. And I was like, my mind went to like a horse race and it was like, holy shit, this is tight. And then that's where we're in the pace. It was like, everyone is looking awesome. And I was like, I still feel good. And then two miles later, I was like, I'm, lo- I'm going to lose this group. <laughs> so it's just like crazy. Dude, I feel good. No, it's just I crazy where you, where you go through this full thing and like, you know, you respect everybody that helped you along the way and everybody that's there. And like you said, it's just like so grateful for everybody that showed up that day and like, you know, like cryo effect for all the recovery during, you know, all the people that were massaging my legs from my therapist to like everybody, um, to you and Mike and all those guys that helped us run along the way. I mean, it was just like crazy, like to be out there, just like knowing that these other runners are out there too. Like, and like you said, knowing that people are following you. Like I know that people are looking at my dot. We got so many DMs before, like I'm tracking you, I'm tracking you. And then one other thing after, just like, thank you. Like so many people hit us up. Oh my God. DMs, texts, phone calls, emails. And it was like. Brought me back to life. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, just thank you. Like every single double tap and a like, I mean, it was the gratitude for that. It's just like so cool to see that, you know, you're inspiring people through your action. Um, It was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. Um, and so I think we, we've, we've, we fielded a couple of questions, um, through Instagram and stuff. Um, after I, I want to start with one, I'll ask you and then I'll answer. Um, what was your biggest learning? Um, my biggest learning was you have to, this is sort of like a, a kind of like a two part thing. You have to respect the specificity of your training for what your body is capable of handling. And most people, let's start with a non-marathoner crowd, the first-time marathoners, or maybe somebody who's done one before but maybe didn't really take a ton of like self-reflection after to like think about what went well and what didn't. Or maybe you just don't have the body awareness knowledge. Like It's a little bit easier because we're run coaches and trainers. Um, but... The first part of that is like the specificity of training. If you want to run a sub three hour marathon, you need to be putting in pace at, at your goal race pace as much as possible. It would obviously benefit you to know you, to know now that you can do a sub three hour marathon. So with all of that information for you, you could go back and run another marathon again, faster than that, knowing what you need to do and where you push down and what runs those Mm -hmm. quizzes you were mentioning, like, you know, were irrelevant. Um, but the, the second part of that is also understanding like the limitations of your body for what your body is capable of handling at that point. And I think what was interesting was the, my biggest learning was that I was drawing hopeful conclusions, hopeful parallels between the two of those things. I was doing a lot of specificity of training, but not at the volume that I needed to handle, to, to build my body for where it was to the point of running a sub three hour marathon. Mm -hmm. So like after I had my injury, I think I just have a really hard time like accepting limitations, but there was a limitation to my hamstring on Sunday. It was just, that's just what it was. It gave out at 18 miles and I knew that it could handle 13 because I had run a, um, a half marathon in July at that pace. But at that point, like I was kind of starting to wear down. So basically what I got from July to October was five more miles. I got five more miles out of it. And it makes perfect sense because in August, I didn't feel good at all. I was injured again due to a lot of like compensating injuries that dealt with the injury last year. 
and I didn't feel good, you know, and I had my hamstring taped before and it just like things weren't a hundred percent. I knew that. So I was like, okay, you know, that's a fair build five miles at race pace in what really was like a month of solid training. Like, okay. Plus it's race day. So yeah. I get that. Um, but I was not ready to double that amount on race day in three months without three months of solid training. Yeah. You know, you gave me what I felt like in July all the way through to October. And you gave me all those training runs and you, you, my body were, was to allow myself to push myself like that. Not take any of those weeks off, not have to spend some of the time biking instead of running. Um, you know, maybe it would have been possible for how we ran the race, but at even splits, it just, it wasn't ready. And you understand that the limitation of my hamstring injury did not allow me the appropriate amount of specific training to do the race sub three. I was perfectly trained to run a one low one twenties half marathon on that day. I could have put down sub six thirty miles for a half marathon. Mm -hmm. And that was my limit. Didn't have enough good long runs. Um, I bowed out before on some because my leg was injured, you know, and if you just don't have enough mileage, as soon as the compensations happen, you have to flex and extend your foot and flex and extend your knee and flex and extend your hip 40,000 <laughs> times. Is that how many steps it was? Yeah, it was over 40,000 steps. Wow. So, you know, do 40,000 calf raises. Seriously, 40,000. Do 20,000 calf raises on each side, on each leg in three hours. And just see how your calves feel after. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. And then not only that, but due to the impact of running, you're actually extending more than your body weight yeah. every time loading mm -hmm. before you spring back off. So jump, just, just jump rope 40,000 times. <laughs> see how your calves feel yeah. after. It's insane. And... That's why the base mileage is so important. Mm -hmm. That's why building a massive base. And I did not have enough base mileage and I did not have enough speed specific training at that time for what my legs would allow me to do. And that's just, that's just it. So the big learning was just like be much more honest about where your body is at that point, then start more conservatively than that and build up because it is the ultimate patience game. And like, that's not my strong suit yeah. in athletics or any type of physical performance is not being patient. Like on race day, I'm one of those people that just like gets there and race day, I'm calm. When everyone else yeah, is you freaking were, you out, were, yeah, you were, when everyone you were really else good. is freaking out, that's when I just like flatlined. And there was, a, there was a couple times in all honesty is when I was like, oof, and I look back and you were, you were just chilling. Yeah. And that, that literally like literally brought yeah. me to a calm. I'm just like stone cold when that, when stuff well, like that happens. Well, you're also calm when on airline flights and I'm freaking out. Yeah. I'm just like, when everyone else is freaking, that's normally when I'm just like yeah. super calm. I don't know if I just like, yeah, like just find myself just compared to other people. I'm just like, oh, I'm way calmer than you. And that calms me even more down or whether it's just like those types of things. I just am more naturally calm in that situation. But like it just, um, I was happy that I could get to that point on race day to like put in an effort because I wouldn't have done it. Um, I wouldn't have set a different goal in hindsight. Yeah. I would have gone back and set a different race strategy. Um, 
but I would have had a really hard time doing that. And who knows if I would have even gotten there because I wouldn't have been with the pace group. I think in hindsight, I probably should have started with the 305 group and, and then, then built up and tried to catch the three-hour pacer. I think yeah. would have been probably like the best sort of like race strategy. Yeah, there's so many strategies you can yeah. do. Yeah, what was your biggest? Yeah, my, my biggest learning from the experience is that, I mean, it was crazy. I think that shit takes time. It takes a lot of time. And, I mean, we, we live in a, an immediate satisfaction culture and society and even you and I have talked about this like you know we've had live better now for like four years three and a half four years and been sending out wake up Wednesday for three straight years and we're like Mm -hmm. you know we're like just at a point where we're like oh man this is like a real thing and a lot of people want things to be done quickly and that's still really quick still really quick to be like all right we've had a company for this long and it's working right (laughs) like you you look at all the overnight success (laughs) stories you know the Microsoft's like no 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 that was 15 years in the making before it broke then it's oh it's this new thing it popped yeah. no 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 this never like that you know every overnight success has been taken has taken seven years like that's looks the stats so to look back at it and be like it just takes time and you have to do everything like those are the two things it takes time like physical time running and you have to do all the shit so when i look back at <laughs> you it you have to do all the like runs. there was a lot of time running which I was like, I know I'm going to do this. I put it on a schedule. If I put it down paper, it's going to happen. There was also a lot of time recovering, you know, sitting in the boots, doing cryo, foam rolling. Like any meeting I had on the phone, I could be on a foam roller. I was recovering your body. There was also a lot of time strength training. And there was also a lot of time doing shit that I would rather have been doing something different. I don't like to do like easy workouts. I just like don't like that. I don't like to like go take a class and like take it easy on the runs. I hate that. But it was all of that. And it was time. It was a full year of training, like 11 months. Um, and it was a lot of just, like, following the course. Um, and, I mean, that, that's, that's, like, what worked. So uh, we had another question of, uh, you know, what does it take to go sub three? And I think um, for me it was going, going slow a lot on long runs, which sucked, which I hated, um, being able to do that. Um, I also think throughout the thing, racing. I think a lot of what it takes on that day is being accustomed to racing. Now, this is my first marathon, so, like, looking back on it, like, I know, like, if I was to do it again, I would have, like, so much more insight into things. But racing was huge. So getting a couple of races this year in the belt as you're building up pace and making the races difficult. Don't, like, do races easy just to, like, get your, like, shoes set out the night before. Like, run hard because you're going to run. You have to run hard at the end. Like you said, the first half is, like, you feel good, and then you're, you're, you're racing hard. So, like, racing um, was big. And then running slow and building up an aerobic base because that was what carried me through the end was the fact that I had run some longer runs slow and also running some, like, 7, 8, 9, 10-milers slow along the way. Because I was like, oh, like, these are like, I can do these easily at a seven-minute mile. But I was like, I'm going to do them at an eight. I'm going to do them at an 8.30. And I was just out there for a long time. And, like, that was huge. Um, 
so I think we got like two other questions. They're kind of like go together, so we can just like kind of talk through them. One is, how are you going to start to run or train again? Because that's what we're going to start to do next. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to go for a run in yeah. a week? Like, what do you, what do <laughs> you think? Probably the next time I can. Next time yeah. I feel like it. I mean, my quads are trash. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's trash. <laughs> stairs just might as well be yeah i was walking down the stairs after your instagram another post, marathon like, oh. it's horrible the quad you just feel your, your quads, quads going down the curbs dude I, I avoid them i'll yeah. go i'll walk down the sidewalk until there's like <laughs> we walked to the office and we were like ah we'll take a different longer route because yeah. there's no stairs yeah I, I won't step up on the curb i'll walk till there's the little like yeah. ski ramp um <laughs> yeah. i am gonna start lifting today i'm going two days after i um I walk around probably 10 pounds heavier than I am right now. And I don't really like being this light. (laughs) Um, I think it's funny to go sub three to answer your last question. The base miles are really important and it's the base miles frequently. That's what it's not necessarily like just getting a couple marquee long runs in that you can draw on. It's like flexing and extending your foot, flexing and extending your knee, flexing and extending your hip tens of thousands of times yeah. hundreds of thousands of times yeah. it doesn't matter how fast you go it just matters that you're doing the, the run specific motion mm-hmm. your calves your feet your quads your hamstrings your glutes your hip flexors your abs your lats your biceps the way you hold your posture the way you breathe has to have done that mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of times millions of times in order for you to run a marathon fast yeah doesn't matter how fast you're going. So that's step number one, just do it more frequently. Yeah. And the second thing is building in um, not only the frequency, but building in the time, as you mentioned, to keep yourself healthy. Mm-hmm. Because like getting a fast race is also like a little bit serendipitous. Because if it would have been hailing rain yeah. and 30 mile an hour winds and 28 degrees, you're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no chance. Yeah. Um, it was like pretty, was almost like perfect yeah, conditions. I, I it was would. a little bit cold. I think it, it, that led me to cramp probably a little bit yeah. faster than I would have normally. Um, but yeah, it was like pretty, all me, in it all, great, it was like yeah. pretty much perfect. So you also have to understand that like there's some patience to it and like you need to build some lag in the system and like be pretty honest about like where you're at. Because if whatever your goal is a stretch goal, it's, there's such a small likelihood of that actually happening. You want to fall to the level of your training, not like rise to competition. Day. Yeah, yeah. Like you want to, you want like two fifty five to be your stretch goal. Yeah. In three hours to be your like, all right. If if everything fails and I have to run a couple seven fifteen miles to finish, can I still do this? Like that's where you want to be at. Yeah. Um. What was your What was the second question? Coming back to that. Yeah, coming back to oh, the, what's going into lifting. Oh yeah, yeah. Like so stuff like so that. I think this is where I was going with that. So. Coming back to it, I don't think that my leg was my legs were in a position of base mileage enough to do that marathon properly, and I just they're not healed. That was like pretty pretty solid proof to me that they were not healed. I think they're not healed because I started training on them before that they were healed. So it's just like immediate compensations were just built in. So I'm just going to take a lot of time to to undo that. I'm going to get a lot bigger and just get back to lifting and feeling like really really strong. Um, a lot of people get very good at running over a lifetime because it's such a specific skill, and that's all they're doing. The strength training that they're doing is supporting their running at all times. Running is a skill in my pocket. It's not my only 
want or wish. I like snowboarding and surfing and mountain biking and lifting and doing yoga and rock climbing and it, running is a part of what I like to do athletically. Um, but I am more into it now than I think I was before. So I think getting back into it, I think I'm going to start training for like a lot of just really fast 5Ks and just focus on getting my run stride just super, super efficient and keeping some of that mileage up. Um, because your aerobic base takes so long to build, it would just be a waste to give it up. And knowing that I got through last June to this June in a year cycle, I had surgery at the end of January 2018, and I got a DEXA scan in June 2018, and then again in June 2019, and I had only lost 0.5 pounds overall. Um, my body fat went down 3%, but my weight didn't change, which means that I was able to maintain, like, I actually put on muscle and then lost fat only mm-hmm. for a 0.5 pound net loss of weight, yeah. um, which showed me that it's possible to still like maintain a lot of really good lean mass while I'm running. But for what I wanted to do, it was way too heavy. I started to feel that wear on me. So I would have lost that weight earlier. Instead, I had to drop all that weight at the end of, or at the beginning of September. So I dropped like basically 10 pounds in like a month. Um, while I was training, just kind of like slow one to two pounds a week. Um, and over the course of five weeks, dropped 10 pounds. I probably would have done that earlier. So the first thing I would do is just put all that back on yeah. so I can just walk around at a healthy weight so I can just focus on some strength. Yeah. I'm going to do a ton of single leg mm-hmm. rebalancing. So like starting to lift heavier again, but with a little bit of a different focus. I think just knowing that my body is just not balanced left and right. Um, my right side is way stronger. It was compensating way more. I was getting all my injuries this season on my right side because it was doing more of the work. Left side's not as strong, so that just needs to get rebalanced. Also, understand that my hamstring will never be the same ever again after the surgery. It's just, it's just the pain has not gone away. Um, not that running on a road has really been that kind to it, but it just was not ever going to be the same. So just doing as much as I can to put that into a position where it's healthy before I would ever start another marathon cycle again. I definitely would do another one, but um, not probably not next year. I, I'd like to focus on just like some 5Ks, doing the Shamrock again at 5 Mile, maybe just do the half but pretty like low-key, um, just as more of like a fun, longer thing to train for. Um, but without any like really aggressive time goal, knowing that it's in the context of a marathon. Like yeah. I did everything for the last 11 months, yep. understanding that there was a marathon coming. Oh yeah. It was the longest thing I've ever trained for, the longest thing I've ever focused on. And I think that's part of probably what, part of what made it so frustrating to like <sighs> not get to that point at the end. But it also, I also understood that if I didn't do any of that, I wouldn't even have you gotten to that no, point. You wouldn't like still close. did, still doing 18 miles at that pace on a leg yeah. that was like detached from my hip a year and a half ago is like, oh, in hindsight, you're like, all right. You <laughs> yeah, it's a great all accomplishment. Right, I, give, I give it some gratitude for that. But, um, Going back to running a little bit casual, not giving away the aerobic base we've been building for the last mm-hmm. 11 months. So just think like getting back to running for fun again. Yeah. Doing a lot more stuff just like kind of for play. Um, going back and taking more berries classes at like full speed and just having fun. Climbing. Running on a treadmill. Getting back to climbing. Getting back to lifting. Doing yoga. a ton of yoga. Um, just to feel good again, yeah. I think. I was just It, it kind of just like broke me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does. You're specific. Yeah. But yeah, just, just putting some like, um, focusing on some like single leg and single arm, 
um, and a ton of core work, um, and then just putting back on some muscle that I purposely let go of for the race. Um, just as a side note, because muscles burning oxygen at a way faster rate and running heavier, it's just this, your VO2 max will never be as strong as it can be if you got lighter. Just look at the guys that are marathoning. They're like, they only have the baseline mu- muscle necessary yeah, to do they what have they muscles do. in their legs. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I think doing those two things and just like getting back to running for fun without a Garmin on. <laughs> yeah. Without that. Without yeah. a Garmin on. Um, yeah. yeah. Totally. But I, I think what, what is interesting though is now knowing what I do know, um, going back at marathon training, the, the only other thing I would add to going sub three in the future for me or faster would be to pay it more attention to my heart rate and do more VO2 max testing along the way because that's what sets your zones and doing runs, staying within a specific zone. So like yeah. how, it how do any slow good. is too slow? Yeah. Um, there, is a, there is an actual physiological number for you of what that pace should be. And um, running a marathon is art in that there are so many variables that go into it that you can control, like just your headspace. I controlled for all of that. So like I had the art of doing the marathon down pat. It was the science that fell apart mm-hmm. for me, which yeah. sucks, yeah. which sucks. Because for most people, they have the science, they let the art go, they let their mental game, the things that you can control creatively um, or instinctively, they let that slip and that's what breaks you. That never broke for me, which like almost makes it even more frustrating because like mentally I was never out of it. It's just physically. So I'd go back and pay attention to the science a little more. I would have done more stuff just like really, really easy and just like looking at my watch running with a heart rate monitor on, being like there is a value to going this slow, but also not going too slow. It's just like keep your heart rate at like 135 and just go run for 60 minutes, then go run for 90 minutes, then go run for two hours, then go run for three hours. At that pace, don't let your heart rate slide. Yeah, don't even look at the pace, just look at the heart rate. Just keep my heart rate up Yeah. and run for time. And it's not like, oh, I'm at an 8.30 pace, now I'm at an 8-minute pace. I'm at 8.30 pace, now I'm at an 8-minute pace. It just doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. All that matters is the time under tension at that heart rate. Yeah. And... Um, I think do, paying attention to some more like heart rate stuff this year. We've been working with Whoop on heart rate variability um, alongside Beam for the sleep study this month. And I think I'd like to um, continue using that Whoop and just pay attention to more like heart rate variability things. And like I'm really interested in the way that some like mindfulness techniques can actually affect some of those heart rate zones for different activities. So like at what heart rate do you feel like your long runs are smooth. Paying attention to that. Next time you go out for a 10-mile run just for fun, don't look at any of the pace, just run. Go back and do a self-review and then say, wow, like, at this point, I felt really good. And then just, like, backtrack through the data and say, like, what was my heart rate at that point? Yeah. Yeah. What was my cadence at that point? What was X, Y, Z at that point? And go back and review some of that and just start to mimic that. It's like, what is your – when do you feel the best – recreate that and then on marathon day the science would be adding up miles for as long as possible at that until you're ready to redline to the finish and then that's where all those like finishing goals come in totally yeah that's good um for me getting back to training is yeah definitely getting back healthy um i pulled my hamstring during this whole whole thing so it's that was 
that was coming at me the whole time. So I just want to get rid of that discomfort. Um, <laughs> it's just annoying. And it would like, there was a couple runs where it felt really good. And then, I mean, you're just then you're like, oh, well, I put 20 miles on it. So like it's yeah. going to tweak. So definitely, definitely doing that. Um, a lot of single leg stability. I think one of the other things for sub three is work on your glutes so much, like mini bands, sideline, clam cells, like glute bridges, like stuff like that every day to get your glutes to be strong because if something goes out during your training and you have to then take two weeks off that's those are bits a lot of time so staying really healthy like recovery is one thing like you know you know going in a cold plunge or a crowd chamber is one thing but like actively strengthening the muscles that need it and it's it's number one is your glutes and your abs getting those things really strong um so coming back to training, I want to just diversify again um, for the rest of this year and just feel really strong and really good, um, get my hamstrings to be healthy. I have a, a goal for next year of running sub 430 for a mile. Um, actually, my fastest mile this year at the Nike race of 445. So I want to, that's one of my goals next year. Um, and I just have a couple other goals I think that I'm going to work towards next year, which are much more like strength related. Um, definitely want to keep running. Uh, I'm at the contemplation stage of running another marathon again. Um, I was just like really proud of, of that goal. And it was just like so much work. Um, I mean, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really fun to do another one. Like the training process is awesome. So maybe today I'm actually feeling a little bit different than I was yesterday about that. Um, but yeah, just getting back healthy for the rest of this year, diversifying, training again, uh, going back to yoga, rock climbing, just like all the fun stuff that, that you can use your body for, I think is amazing. I think it was really cool to dial it in. Um, but it was also like, man, I, like, I miss doing all that other stuff. And um, <laughs> it's just like fun. So yeah. going back to that, but then I think dialing in on a goal is, is something that I really like to do now that I think about it um, and spe specifying it because you know, your body is such an amazing thing and it's fun to be good at a lot of different things, but it's also really fun to be good at one thing, like really good, um, and hitting a good target. So coming back to that's awesome. Um, any, uh, final notes or advice or thoughts about marathon? Start before the 16 to 18 week cycle. Um, most people and get a coach. Um, most people are starting June 1st to train for a marathon. And the, I, I would say the second part to that is like, understand that your goals are relative to you. Um, I'm not like huge on moral victories <laughs> for things but being like, Oh, you still finished. Like, congratulations. It's like, I really, really appreciate all those messages like for me, it's just like once you set something and know know it, um, I'm like pretty objective about being like you either did this or you didn't. Um, I think the, the moral victory you take away from it is that like I'm thankful that I was capable of running that far just to get to 18 and a half at that pace before my legs kind of gave out. Um, and that was awesome. But in terms of like doing the marathon, you just like didn't do it. So I think keep your goals relative to you and just understand that if you're starting at 16 weeks that you have a limitation to what you're doing at that point. And the faster you want to go, the more base mileage you need. And I think for a marathon, like if you have something that is aggressive, you need to start early, but you also need to create checkpoints in there that are fun. Yeah. It's just 
taking some time away from being so serious about the training um, is really important because I think that is a big step in mitigating injury and burnout and just like some self-doubt that's going to inevitably come up when you're like, I don't really feel like doing this anymore. Even if you start in June, by the time you get to the end of August, you're kind of like, all right, I've spent hundreds of hours running. Um, I'm out of audiobooks. I'm out of music. I, <laughs> I'm out of friends. I'm out of friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, find a coach and or a running group at that point that is going to keep your head in it the whole time and that you can have fun with. Yeah. My biggest regret over the entire cycle was not doing every single one of my long runs with a group of people. Everyone. Um, because even on race day, had I have gone back and started at my own pace and let you start where you should, you started where you should have started. Like that was, that was your race on yeah, that day. Yeah. I should have started back further or started at the same spot with you and, and run, you know, a little bit slower. Wouldn't have mattered. Um, doing the long runs with other people because on race day, you have a ton of other people around you. Um, it's conditioning. It's just conditioning. It, it's nice. Um, and even if you don't know all the people that you're running around, you're still going to get swept up in that group. So, like, we weren't really chatting when we were running. No. But we were, we were near each other, but we also weren't, like, you know, elbow to elbow for most yeah. of it. We were, like, two or three people away from each other. And being two to three people away from, like, your friend in a, in a bigger running group or anybody that you know in a bigger running group I think is really important over the length of training because, like, those long runs are so important. And just removing some of that... I think I'll go slower here or like, Oh, I think I'll stop and do these things or like, Oh, you know, maybe like today I feel like only doing 15 instead of 18. It's like, no, today's 18. You have to build up. You need the time. You need the frequency. You need the time. There's four other people that are running 18 today. Yeah. And do it, doing it with other people. It just doesn't allow you any of the subjective slide in effort. Mm -hmm. It's just objective. You either do it or you don't. Yeah. And doing that with a group, I think, over that training cycle is something that I probably would have changed. Um, that would have been my; those would have been my biggest takeaways. I think. What are yours? Um, I think there was there was a couple of things that we haven't hit on, which were incredible. Um, there was a when we were at mile five, we ran plat, past a blind runner, and you were just like. Fuck yeah! And, and <laughs> I hope you heard me. Yeah, and and and, and I, when I saw that guy, and so we were the um, disabled runners go out right when the elites go out, and so they get a little bit of this like head start, um, which is a minute or two. And we saw him, and he was with an aide, and they're running together, they're tethered together, and he was running, and I was like, oh my god, like this guy is running a marathon, and he can't see. Like, that was insane. And then maybe four or five miles later, there was a guy running with one of those blade legs. And I was like, holy crap. And, like, I've watched the marathon before, and I've seen those people. But, like, when you're in it, and I'm like, wow, these people are going to run a marathon. They're going to finish. You're going to do the whole thing. They're do the whole thing. And I was like, there's no excuse. And Justin, who did it with cerebral palsy, she just, like. So, like, there's people out there. And I look back at my training and I look back at my little tweak of my hamstring and like me having to get up early and me having to like, you know, get up early after a family night and still do it in, uh, you know, out in Wisconsin on my run. And I'm just like, 
I was looking at those moments being like, oh, this is tar- hard. Like, no, nah, that's not hard. <laughs> it's like nothing about that is difficult yeah. compared to getting up and not being able to see or not being able to tie your own shoes because you can't move your hands well or having one leg. And I think there's like there's some there's a magic in a marathon and people deciding to do it that are, you know, that have those those disabilities. And uh, that was incredible to see that and be a part of that. And knowing that like you running with them helped them was insane. And then them running with you helped Helped you. you. Yeah. Um, So that was a beautiful thing. Um, And then to look back at like the whole process uh, I mean, I hit the goal, so like, I, there's nothing that I would that I would have personally really changed, and I think it was um, I just like hitting all those those mile markers and stuff, and and seeing the the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the injuries along the way, the grind, having the community. I think the biggest thing for me that was good was that like you were doing it, so like. I always had that to be like, oh, how was your long run this weekend? Like we always had it. So like I was like heading somebody accountable, like even though we did it on different days. And then just being a part of a group that had that had high expectations. So we had Mike, we had Mark, we had Nelson, we had Tim, we had all those guys that were running, you know, sub three twenties. So like some of them sub three. And I was like, well, these guys are doing it. Like they're they have to put in the same effort yeah, they to get the there. Doing, yeah. So having other people around you that are sharing your same goals, like you and I were talking about this like the week leading up, we were like, we don't want any talk to anybody that's like, oh my God, like you're trying to do that. That's crazy. I didn't need any of that. I want somebody like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, I'm doing it too. I needed the whole time. Yeah. Needed the whole so, time. Surrounding yourself with the right people. I mean, we come back to that, like, as live better, just as a whole. You know, surrounding yourself with the right people for what you're trying to do is super important. Um, and overall, I mean, just the experience was awesome. I think it was fun. Um, and I think it's something I can draw back on for, like, the rest of my life with, like, any other challenge. Like, life is like a marathon. Like, people always say that. And it's like there's there's ups and downs in every single thing that you ever do. And to be able to, like, yeah, like, I know there's ups and downs and I've also like done that on purpose is like, uh, is is something. Yeah. Yeah. I think purposely putting yourself into positions that are extremely difficult that are just putting you, teaching you all those lessons is like such an important thing. Yeah. And like, to your point, like running the race to run it, I think that's, that can be somebody's goal. And if that's your goal, that's awesome. But that wasn't my goal. I think you just have to be honest with your effort. And if that's your goal, if, if your goal is to finish, to run a race, without walking or jogging, or if it's just to finish. That's an amazing goal. Relative to where you were. Yes. That is Iliad's breaking two. Yeah, your yeah. own your own breaking two hours is wherever you are. Rel- that's guy. our whole thing. Is relative to what yes. you're doing. Yes, meet you get there. Better. Yeah, we meet had a guy in our, and take we you were leading that's the it. Nike pacing run that um, at the start of this year, his longest run was a five mile run in his life. And he'd finish the marathon. Yep. So for you, your goal is relative to you. Like when I was watching Iron Cowboy, he was like, this is my goal. This is my thing. Like if you're run, like his mom wanted to run the last 5Ks in five days with him. And she came in last every time that they started at just the final 5K of it. She came in last place. They were all running a marathon. She couldn't do the 5K yep. as fast as them, but she still did it. And he was like so hype on her for doing it yep. because – it's relative to you. So, like, just setting the goal is – there's so much value in there's that. There's so much value. It's and the, then it's the doing it. Part. Yeah. And then doing it. Like, putting this, the one foot in front of the other and accomplishing it. I mean, your dad did it. Yeah. Your dad ran a marathon. And it's, like, crazy. And to see that, it's like 
everybody has their goal and everybody has their thing, but like getting to that point, setting the goal, putting plan into action and finishing it. You think it's funny. It's like so many lessons just came full circle one um, Saturday when Elliot broke two hours right at the end in his post-race interview, he basically said, I wanted, I want to like show the world that like a running can make the world a more beautiful place. He was like, running is beautiful and doing this that for the, for the sort of cause that no human is limited is so interesting. And then I saw another quote that showed a picture of the start of the marathon, I think from a couple of years ago. And it said like, if you ever lose faith in humanity, just go watch a marathon. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And it's just interesting. Cause you're like, why would that be? But then you realize when you're actually out running the marathon, how many people are like swept up in that? Like the amount of empathy, the amount of encouragement, the amount of effort that somebody is doing. Just, it's not just like sitting on their couch and just like letting yeah. it waste away. Yeah. You're like, you're doing something that is difficult and might seem arbitrary for somebody who doesn't run. They're like, why would you run? Why yeah. Running is stupid. It's like, well, no, it's not because the amount of things that you can draw on from that, the parallel into what you're doing is just insane. Yeah. Like the things that we have done that allowed us to stay with our training, like mentally, it wasn't just running that got me mentally prepped for that race to even finish it. Like if, if my muscles would have given out at that point and mentally I wouldn't have been with it, I would have just walked off. Would have just been like, yeah. all right, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'd like, that was my race. I didn't do Which it. I'm a done. a lot of people did. Which a lot elites of do. did. Yeah, which elites do. Yeah. And it breaks you. Like yeah. at that point, like your your worldview in that moment is shattered. So what are you gonna do? You're just gonna like quit and walk off, be like, I'm done with this. You know, I didn't do what I set out to do, like cramped. Victimize me, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm done. No, you're gonna yeah. finish. You said you were gonna do it. That was a goal to do it. It yeah. wasn't like the only thing, yeah. it wasn't the yeah. only outcome. You don't set a goal to like run 18 and then die. Yeah. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, um, the goal is to do all 26 at that pace. But the, the result is that you just do it. You finish mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. 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 So I think um, do a marathon, do a race, do a 1K, do something um, to get yourself moving. I think training for something is extremely important. So if you're listening to this and you're contemplating setting any sort of goal. Running's a really good one. I think after reading Born to Run, everyone's a runner. And you have your race that you can do really well at. And you have your stretch race that's going to be hard. Um, and so, we again, we just want to reiterate all the thanks for anybody that's listening to this. That one that you listened to this. to that um, if you helped us at all on our journey, like, thank you so much. And it's it's been awesome um, kind of doing this little marathon series on the podcast. So, uh, there's a lot more good stuff coming on the Live Better podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for helping, and uh, have the best day ever. Appreciate you.